Let's get the party started. When was the last time you shit your pants? You think I'm a damn fool? I shit my pants last night. <laughs> it's a beautiful planet. Well, it's a moon. For sure. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. Put that in your What's up, everybody? Josh, Clearing Waivers Podcast, coming at you for another episode of the Clearing Waivers Podcast. We appreciate you joining us for uh, this episode. We hope you're having a great day, a great week, great night, uh, a great month. Uh, we are all doing well. Uh, happy to be here. We've got some Royals to talk about uh, per usual, but we've got some different things to talk about, including the uh, debut of a high-level prospect that we're all pretty excited about. Uh, hopefully, everybody is still excited about after that performance. Then <laughs> um, we've got a, a, a previous prospect that seems to be on everybody's mind here lately uh we'll also discuss and uh we'll take a look at the upcoming schedule to kind of see how we feel about the royals in the next couple weeks but uh uh, after that we got some shenanigans uh per usual um but uh yeah let's just get into it here with uh clearing the waivers we're clearing the waivers like i mentioned there was a debut of a prospect pitcher one of the you know core four a uh, handful of uh, high-level pitching prospects they've got coming up through the system. Jackson Kowar was dominating in Omaha for the entire season. Uh, finally got that call I think everybody's been waiting for for the last couple of weeks uh, when there was kind of some hesitancy, some uncertainty with this rotation. Finally got a look, and it did not go well. He uh, Against the Angels, who are, you know, regularly when they're fully healthy, they're a pretty solid lineup this is not that case this lineup he saw was not that great still only lasted two-thirds of an inning giving up three hits two walks no k's and four earned runs in 39 pitches so let's start with kitty kitty where where's your head at on this uh, on this <laughs> performance oh goodness just i'm just it's just depressing every mm-hmm. time we get a prospect come up and just they just don't get it done. I mean, obviously it's only one start, but it's just expectations are always, anytime you get a guy that this highly touted, your expectations are going to be sky high, which is probably a little bit of fault of our own as fans. When we get that high expectation. So when it comes crashing down in two thirds of the inning, it's really a little tougher to take than when you get some of these mid-level prospects come up like, okay, maybe we'll see what happens. But so just a little really rough debut. Yep. Had uh, a seemingly very, uh, very prolific struggles with his control on the evening. Uh, Was Mm. missing high on his fastball, leaving his changeup up way too much. Uh, He's got a great, great changeup, and uh, that's kind of what his bread and butter is uh, with a very powerful and uh, high-velocity fastball. That's kind of what he was living off of just couldn't locate anything hopefully that was just the nerves but brian where where were you at with this performance at all yeah i think it's the nerves and then maybe just a, a little bit of combination of having that self-doubt a little bit that you know he's going against shohei otani uh is my change up really all that's made out to be and can i get a 96 mile an hour basketball by him mm-hmm. um so it's kind of seemed like he was nibbling a little bit and they kept saying on the broadcast that this guy is a good control pitcher you know in the past the walks haven't been an issue with him but like you said, control was clearly an issue with him uh, the other night. And I felt like the free bases were a big problem too. And 
Um, I don't know. I, I don't get to watch him throw his changeup all that much, except for the highlights on Twitter. But if his changeup is routinely going to be in the ground, I question whether him and Salvi are a great pairing to have out there routinely because it just seems like Salvi, you know, we love him. We're going to retire his jersey one day, but he loves to backhand those balls in the dirt like he's playing first base rather than sliding over and just using his body to, to block a ball. And it just seems like too many times the other night they're, they're considered wild pitches because they're in the dirt. But, you know, you can also like to see your catcher put his body on the line a little bit more and block those balls so they're not going first and second to second and third. And now yeah. you've eliminated the double play possibility. It's just – it was just too many of that with free bases and, and you know, whether it was a walk and then a wild pitch got him, got him free bases and stuff like that. There's really only a couple of hits I remember being like solid, like shit. They, they hit the ball well there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you could tell in the post game uh, press conference with Matheny, he was just kind of upset that they had to pull him just because the pinch, pitch count in one inning got so high. They don't feel comfortable with that being healthy long term. I don't remember that being a concern in the past, but this year right. they talk about it a lot more. I don't yeah. know if that's a Matheny thing rather than the Yost thing or, or what. Thing. I, I don't remember that being a thing before ha- having a pitch count in one mm-hmm. inning. Uh, but I also understand wanting to kind of, you know, baby these young guys and not try to ruin their career before it gets started. So, <laughs> yeah. so I get it. Uh, but at the same time, it's like after the, they talk about these guys, we saw Lynch come up and get blown up a little bit early. And and it's like the difference between when you hear these cat coaches afterwards are like the stuff is absolutely good enough. So it's a different vibe than bringing up some of these guys that have good numbers in Omaha. They come up here and then they get bashed and then they get sent back down. And you don't hear the manager say, you know, their stuff's not there. They say they need to clean some stuff up, you know. Right. But he has doubled down on both these guys now and say, when once they figure this out, they're going to be very good. It's just yeah. they got to learn it. They got to take their lumps. So uh, I have I'm not going to make any rash decisions based on that one start. It, just, it sucks, like Kitty said, to see another one of our guys that we've been looking forward to seeing, you know, have rough luck right off the bat. Right. The, uh, I, I'm glad you brought that up because it's not like they're marching out Jake Newberry. They're not marching out Glenn Sparkman, Eric Scoglin, any of these dudes. That, <laughs> Jorge Lopez. Or, 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 all Scoggy. All Scoggy. I, I will not allow you to blaspheme Jorge Lopez <laughs> on this podcast. He had the best stuff in the organization for how many seasons? He's great when you play with him on the show, Josh. 100%. I love it. I love it. Give me that two-seamer all day with, with some Jorge Lopez. Just give you the um, controls. <laughs> the you don't you don't hear the same rhetoric from the managers with these quadruple a guys and i do think that that is a belief both in their talent and why we should as fans kind of give them a little bit more leash uh than than some of those other guys because they do have flashes and obviously they have the gifts uh on on the social medias and such that they are a different pitcher, whether it be an 80 grade changeup or uh, 97 from the left side, or just crazy ground ball rates, like or or whatever, crazy strikeout rates, like Boobish. It's it is just they are different. They are special. Everybody sees it. Everybody, every scout, every person who writes about baseball talk about these four or five guys that are different. And at this point, we're just going to have to trust that and uh, trust that the management is going to be able to uh, pull that out of them and develop them into the pitchers that they uh, should become. You did mention that you didn't uh, see that many hits that were uh, good contact. There was a lot of tweets floating around being like, 
go ahead guys try to spin this debut into something positive <laughs> that's it it was weak contact the contact that was <laughs> made right. was weak contact there was rendon i believe was rendon, the hardest yeah. hit and it was like a 96 mile an hour or something like that um so uh, there's your silver lining he, well also he, within the same in the strike zone and got a got contact it was weak contact and within the same at bats of Rendon, there were a couple just nasty yes. change-ups that yep. kind of had Rendon on his heels and barely got contact on him. And yep. he had him fooled a few times. It just He just got a, just enough of it barely and enough. got one lined yeah. up. And then and there was that Rendon's after a hitter, so. after one of the wild pitches, it was a ground ball to wit, which would have been a double play yes. had there not yep. been the wild pitch right before that. So he could have got mm-hmm. he would have got out of the first and possibly – would have seen him go to get three or four innings under under his belt the first game if he could have narrative might be different after that yeah Yeah. and i I think go ahead this is one of those starts i think you had mentioned before that some of these guys come out and go i don't know what i don't remember anything from that start yeah this might be one of those where he was so adrenaline junkied up and didn't know what he just and he's not gonna even hardly remember what happened for these 39 pitches so might be a blessing in disguise sort of thing (laughs) and i was curious too back to my point about salvi the backhand of of are there numbers to to kind of support this because it's just like you watch it with your eyes and you're like no is are someone charting this on online and stuff so it's hard to just say these numbers of wild pitches you know they're usually attributed to the pitcher at all times like like we said but when I look at the percentages this year, if I say wild pitches per inning, Cam Gallagher's at 3.3% of his innings pitch. He's allowing a wild pitch. Albie's at Salvi's at 8.4% of wild pitches per innings pitched. And they both, uh, Salvi has one pass ball to Cam's zero. I'm not saying Cam Gallagher's that much of a superior defensive catcher, but it's just something to think about, I think, or consider if he's going to be throwing that many balls in the dirt on the regular, we may have to, uh, think about those being salvi's off base well that that kind of plays into the control though because yes. if you say you want a low change up and with his change up maybe salvi hasn't caught him that much maybe he's not used to seeing an 80 grade change up that often because it just doesn't exist that there out there but if you call for an 80 grade low change up and he is wild and it's skips and jumps and runs off of the plate and runs behind you that's not necessarily on salvi at that point that's uh, that. that's there. It, it, there's too many variables that goes into that to be able to be like, well, Salvi's not going to be able to catch Coar, Cam Gallagher, which probably is a better defensive catcher at this point. Maybe not a, as good of an arm, but as far as blocking, as far as framing, I mean, I think that's pretty uh, pretty safe to say that Cal Gallagher's is probably a little bit superior to Salvi in those situations. But at the same time. Y- Salvi is a gold glover, platinum glover for a reason. He may be past those days, but he's still very, very confident. So I still would believe, you know, his defense is going to be fine with Coar down there once they get familiar with each other. Once they once Coar starts locating a little bit better, uh, gets those nerves out, I think it'll be it'll be fine for that duo. But it, there's a lot to balance any any given plate appearance. So it's it is it is what it is type of thing. So I, and I, I think that's totally fair. And, and control is going to be a huge issue there. I, I'm just saying they're clearly giving Salvi off days, especially coming off that injury. So. I, maybe just consider that as a, as a uh, factor in when those days shall be, because they've already announced their probable starters coming up and, and mm-hmm. they are definitely giving Kowar another shout against Oakland, which is takes us right to the next point. Where do we go from here as a fan base? Where does Kowar go from here as a pitcher? Where does the team go from a roster standpoint? 
Uh, Kitty, where where do we go from here? He, he's obviously probably going to get another start, but what are you going to be looking for here? I expect him to probably be with, I, as we're sitting here, as we mentioned a couple times previous weeks, that we're in that five-man rotation basically to the All-Star break based on how few off days are coming up for the next if not 30 six. days. Yeah. If, yeah, so I figure he's here to the All-Star break, and I assume the team may have already told him that, and so he's – this point just get ready for that next start and come out a little better i mean the one yeah. thing i know that dude's a he's a tall skinny guy mm-hmm. needs to uh get in the gym get that get that ass a little bigger <laughs> get those glutes going he's get no giordano ventura he's still got a little bit more meat than giordano did but... get those haunches ready man you gotta get build up haunches. that ass build up that ass <laughs> everybody knows the fastball velo comes from that ass it sure does man get those hips <laughs> rotating through <laughs> Oh God, we're so stupid, uh, Brian. What uh, what are what are you looking for coming coming up here for Jackson Coar? I think you still give him starts until at least Duffy's back, or if you determine that Lynch has kind of f- figured out his stuff. Because uh, at the end of the day, Lynch has got a higher projection than Coar, yep. and you you kind of like the other four guys in the rotation that are kind of set in stone right now, and. You know, maybe eventually Miner gets pushed to the pin or something like that. But other than that, you'd like having Keller, you know, Bubich, Singer are pretty much locked in as three there. And then if Duffy's back, you kind of like to see him there as well. So it becomes a, 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 a situation where there's not enough spots to give all these guys starts after a while. So when Duffy's healthy, I wonder if Kowar, you know, goes back down. But in the meantime, you've got to keep giving him a shot. And I, I don't want them to see, you know, give up his spot to like, you know, Irvin or Bolaños or anything like that. I, I want him to keep getting a shot and hopefully, you know, kind of build some confidence going forward. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like we kind of touched on it. They brought him up for a reason. And that reason is because they don't think that they think that he's ready. They don't think that he's going to be able to learn anymore from AAA. He's shown that he is absolutely dominant at Omaha. So, yeah, he, he's going to get another start. We've talked about it, covered it. Kind of seems like uh, hopefully he'll be here to stay. And Kitty brought up a good point. Hopefully they told him that he's going to be here till the All Star break, till they're forced to make a decision. And even then, I don't know if they're forced to make a decision. If they're all on pitch counts, they're all kind of worried about those arms. And why not go to a six man rotation? Uh, there's plenty of room, plenty of innings for everybody at that point. I'm fine with that. We as a fan base need to be patient. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of eggs in this prospect wave. We've been here. We've sat here and watched these guys cut teeth before, and it worked out. These guys are no no different. They're in a tough, tough game. We saw another article today saying that there's even a wider difference between AAA and the big leagues at this point than there were just last year, the year before. It's just getting wider and wider. Um, so it, it's, it's just going to be tough to go through it, stick with the patience, stick with these guys stop doubting you know their actual talent stop doubting any of this stuff for now it's fair to criticize it's fair to question it's fair to be curious about this stuff but just don't get too down on this don't start writing guys off uh, I, I i started looking into this obviously 39 pitches from jackson coar not enough for a sample size to, to to write somebody off three starts from daniel lynch not enough to write somebody off 14 starts from Bubich getting closer to a normal rookie season over the last two seasons, still not enough, but even his numbers are still pretty solid for a re- average rookie season from any pitcher. Singer is just now at 24 starts and he's a pretty, pretty decent sample size for a whole entire rookie season. 
and he is about where you would want an average starting pitcher to be. You're usually around 4.30 ERA, a 1.3 whip, somewhere in that ballpark. You got a little bit of an average start of a, of a rookie starting pitcher. So he's right there. If that's what we're looking for in Singer, kind of coming up, they all thought that he had the highest floor but the lowest ceiling of all these dudes. And if Singer is right there where he should be at average, then I'm fine with it. If you're looking at him and being like your four, your five guy, that's an absolute alpha on that mound every any given night, then then that's what you're getting. That's what you're getting right now. And that's a full sample size from Brady Singer. So love it or hate it, where the progress is, is a whole other conversation that we could definitely have. Um, but at this point, we need to stick with these guys. And uh, I know we're all excited about the prospects, but uh, we just need to chill, be patient, let them do their thing, let them cut their teeth, and we'll see where we are uh, uh, at the end of the year with it. So, yeah, I, I think too, we talk about, you know, keep pitching these guys at Omaha. It's kind of like, uh, what more do they have to show you at the Omaha level? You know, they're, like you said, Kolar is dominating them, and then he comes mm-hmm. up with majors and struggles immediately. It's <laughs> almost good to come up even if we're talking about three starts that he gets before a Duffy or a Lynch is ready to pitch again mm-hmm. he gets to see what his stuff looks like against major league pitchers and if he does go back to home on he, he knows that I can't get away with this pitch that I got away with dominating yeah. these fools here like he threw a couple of change-ups outside on Otani last night that tempted him but he laid off and the guys yeah. in Omaha are probably swinging at those pitches and that's why you know he's been yeah. You know, mowing them down so i think yeah. it, it's just learning what his stuff looks like against the best in the world you know helps it helps a lot more development wise of if he does go back to omaha eventually and there's you know more spots for him up here he has a better idea of what his pitches need to look like what is you know repeated delivery needs to be like i mean it's just a whole different game i think it was going around twitter today that there's people are saying that there's never been a bigger gap between ma- the major league level and AAA level that there is right now. And so, I mean, that kind of proves, <laughs> proves seeing what we see from Kowar and Lynch dominate in AAA and they go up and have struggles immediately in the major league. So mm-hmm. it's good to get your feet wet and maybe not get thrown completely in the water. Cause I, I went back and looked at guys like, like Giolito. There's a commercial going on right now about, you know, 2018, he was the worst pitcher in baseball, had like a (laughs) 6.13 ERA, 1.48 whip, but they just kept trotting him out there. He got 32 Uh starts that year. They just kept saying, keep going out there, figure it out. The next year he got Cy Young votes. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, we can't make any rash judgments, even if it's one bad start. It could be one bad season. Max Scherzer didn't come out and start being dominant. Those are both first-round picks. They're not all Jacob DeGrom. DeGrom started when he was like 26 and has been pretty much dominant his entire career. (laughs) (laughs) There are exceptions to the rule for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's definitely one of the fallacies of the fan base, myself Mm -hmm. included, where you just expect every single prospect to be DeGrom level right when they come up. Like, well, it happened for him. Should happen for our guys too. What's wrong with us? Why can't we get a DeGrom? Why Why can't we develop? 19 year old Juan Soto. (laughs) No, that's, that's a good point. I mean, that's all part of the process here. We're all here to cut teeth. We're not here. We're here to watch them cut their teeth on the big league, uh, big stage. And, uh, and that's just where we are. We can't overreact. I know we all get a little amped up. I'm absolutely guilty of it. No doubt. Um, but at this point, I, I was I found myself looking at Cal Eldred's ba- fan graphs page. Be like, why, why, what did he do? 
what I, they keep selling me this no i i'm very much aware and very guilty of outrage myself so uh i'm right there with you but i keep, I keep telling myself optimism stick with the trust the process let these kids develop and uh and we'll be benefiting it from it in uh, in no time at all so speaking of benefit in no time at all uh Adelberto Mondesi back on the IL they put him on the IL retroactively over the weekend um still with that left left hamstring I didn't hear the leg actually now that I'm sure about it. it's a ham hamstring strain that is kind of an open-ended uh deadline nobody knows really what the timeline is and I think it's more of a, a player you know pain level type of situation you want him to be able to do whatever he can do whenever he can do it so uh, they did put him on the il over the weekend um, been plenty of outrage led by a certain local radio host that seemed to really <laughs> fan the flames um recently and uh caused a bunch of you know waves and a lot of outrage a lot of a line to be drawn between the uh mondesi apologists and the uh the ones coming with their pitchforks and their torches so uh why not why not us talk about it i guess at this point (laughs) no one's asking for our opinion but here it is here it comes um so we're going to talk a little bit about what we are kind of thinking about doing with adalberto mondesi this one's going to be kind of more focused on what we're doing long-term because that's kind of what, you know, we've seen him over four or five seasons, half seasons, mostly uh, see his talent level, you know, flashing absolute rare skill sets and stats and doing records and stuff that nobody's ever done. And we also see him be the worst hitter in baseball type of thing. So it's a very wide range of outcomes for Alberto Mondesi at any given moment. He could be walking down the hallway and has got a huge, wide array of outcomes. And but Brian, what are you wanting to do, Alberto Mondesi, long term? What do you think the Royals are going to do? What do you want them to do? Where are you at? First of all, you said this is a pain level type situation, which it's a hundred percent not with a hamstring, and that's what is kind of most frustrating about watching the fan base talk about. Hey, players play through injuries. Why doesn't Mondesi ever play through injury? The hamstring is one where he will tell you he feels fine. He can go sprint around the outfield, and then the trainers will say, with a hamstring, wait five days and see how it feels then. Because it's not a pain thing with the hamstring. Your hamstring can feel fine. You try to press it too soon, you're screwed. It's, it's, it's backwards after that. So both his injuries this year have been that way. The oblique, <laughs> like he could feel the oblique in his, his left-hand swing or whatever it was and not the right-hand swing. So he said, let me swing right-handed. I'll just do that. Like he wanted to play through that oblique. And they were like, no, we cannot rush this type of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's what sucked about this injury is it's not a pain level thing. I, he, they talk about it. They, they, they reinforce that to the media over and over again. Like nobody wants to play more right now than Mondesi. <laughs> right. He wants to play more than you want him to play. So back off this guy not being tough enough or any of that bullshit. Like that's <laughs> that's a tired ass storyline. I'm so sorry. I did not mean to go full petrol. <laughs> I, I did not did not mean for that transition to take place. That being said, give him ten years and two hundred million dollars. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I I I'm not ready to talk extensions really unless he he wants to give us a deal because. 
you know, base it on his actual performance and numbers through the years, he would have to give us a pretty good deal because oh, we'd yeah. love to talk up his potential. The Royals, nobody's more excited than Dayton Moore about what this guy can do eventually. He just hasn't done it yet. So when you talk about extensions, it's usually based off what you've done, a combination of what you've done, what you think you can do. You add in all these injuries. It's just impossible to talk about extension numbers right now, I think, from both sides. So you sure. still got him under control through 2023. He'll be 27 years old. Uh, I mean, that's the crazy thing. He's still 25 years old this year. So yeah. all, all of the potential still there. If he could put it together, if he could put it together, if he can stay healthy. Right. Then in 2023, hopefully we're talking about a real extension and, and have some good numbers to go off of. But right now you cannot have those conversations. But the, the thing about that is we've had four, what, four and a half seasons of a sample size to be like, okay, we know what you're capable of doing, kind of. Yep. So it, it does beg the question, and I do think it's a fair question to be like, what what is the value of that moving forward? And, and like you're kind of pointing at, it's impossible to say. Um, you're kind of breaking new ground here in the fact that you have talent or, or, or past record aside, he shows the peak of superstardom. Mm-hmm. He shows the ceiling of MVP level talent. That is not consistent at, by any means. Potentially one of the most inconsistent people the Royals fans have ever seen yep. on that level. Um, they've never had a player since what George Brett, Carlos Beltran type of level to where he's flashed that much talent when he's healthy, when he's right, when all things are clicking. They have not seen it's maybe two or three players they've ever seen in a Royal franchise to have that kind of flash. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to tell where, you know, where we should be thinking this should be going. Like you said, both sides, very lost on both of these cases. So you're <laughs> right. No, no extension talks on either side are going to be wanted. I, I don't think because nobody has any kind of basis to go off of at that point. So I think that's perfectly fair. Kitty, what do you want to see happening here? Yeah. If they're going to extend him, do it now. Do <laughs> yeah. it as soon as possible. Cause I think you could basically lowball him. And mm-hmm. if you do, you could lowball him with a bunch of escalator clauses based on performance, Yep. which I think, would be pretty much the best for both sides because at that point, because if he's as good as he has shown, you put those bonuses in or escalator clauses in his contract and all of a sudden he's making, you know, 12 to 15 million per year instead of the base salary of a four or five that you may, you might work on an extension with him at. So if you're going to do it, it really feels like sooner is better than later and maybe only try to buy out two years of free agency. Don't get, too deep in the weeds on him. And I'm fine if they make if, that like a like an option, like they or option years as well. Mutual option, yeah. I, I'm mutual always options an option. are always, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, true. Yeah. I, I'm fine yeah, with yeah. doing the mutual option for two years of free agency and give them, you know, on those like give them a good amount of money. Like we talked to Luis Robert uh, deal the other day it was like twenty million dollar uh, options. Fuck, let's do that. I mean, yeah, because I mean, like you said, he came in, played for two weeks, and was already what the number three or four mm-hmm. offensive player in war so i mean yep. he was already just dominating just the two weeks he was in or whatever it was so i mean he's yep. got he's easily he seems to be in that five baseline of four war, war per season if he plays all year just as an average player then he can easily get up to seven or eight if he's having that ceiling type of year so i mean it yep. could very 
easily be a, a good deal for both clubs for mutual options after the for the free agency years. Yeah, I I was looking dicking around on uh, Spot Track tonight, or it was today actually that uh, fair market value for Mondesi right now. Brian, I think I told you it was six years, one hundred five million. Mm-hmm. I think is what it is with a oh, wow. seventeen million dollar annual value. So it's no secret. Everybody kind of sees the talent level in him. So it's not going to be a discount. His agent is very aware that, you know, right. his talent level is what it is. It's just the track record, which is no secret either. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think Brian and I talked about it. I don't think either one of us are on a uh, mission to go sign that deal right now, but I, I'd be completely fine talking extension to him right now because of everything we've already talked about. And I feel yeah. like you got Bobby Witt, you've got, with Merrifield for a couple more seasons you've got Nicky Lopez that's a solid defender shown competence at the plate I feel like <laughs> there is a I feel like there is a rotation that we could figure out to make sure that Montessi's in the lineup in the defense maybe every two out of three days uh, and then once Santana's contract kind of falls off him and Salvi kind of rotate in the DH position every now and then you could probably do that as early as next season with Solaire falling off the books uh, I, I feel like there are ways to not to to invest in Mondesi and extension talks like that, and also structure it in a way to where you're also protecting him as well. You're giving him an off day, and and I, this is coming from a completely dumb uh, person when it comes to <laughs> like behind the curtain health talk. So maybe it'll be more detrimental if he's sitting every third day or whatever. But, I ain't giving him extension and have him DH, Josh. See. He is not a DA. Why not? Why not? I, I understand that, that his, his defense is too valuable, even if you turn valuable. him into a center fielder. But what does it matter if you keep his bat in the lineup one every three days and you're still keeping him healthy for a 162-game season? There's no promises you're doing that. Well, sure. But you know that what you're doing right now, expecting him to be an everyday player, also not working. Those past injuries don't predict what he's going to get injured tomorrow. The best indicator of future – events nope. is past Brian. Nope. that's how this works that's nope. how we're all you don't have this many injuries without having injuries in the future that does not happen period nope he'll be fine all right, all right. brian's <laughs> ready to sign him five years he's ready he's ready to go he's got a million dollars 17 per he's ready i will close it out on this here over the past four seasons there are two players that carry at least a 180 iso and 100 stolen bases over the last four seasons Mondesi and Trey Turner. There are completely different players as far as where their value lies because Trey Turner it hits 300 plus every year. He hits for power. He steals bags, period. He plays shortstop as well. Mondesi hits for power, hits for excellent speed, obviously, but his defense is way more uh, um, valuable than Trey Turner's is. Trey Turner hits for more average at that point. So you kind of have a evening out of that. So Trey Turner is going to be a free agent before Mondesi. And so we can kind of see what that market is going to be, but that's kind of what we're looking at. Trey Turner is always in the conversation of one of the best players in baseball, uh, especially if you're a fantasy baseball player, because he's always one of the top picks. He's a category filler uh, on the offensive side. So I feel like he is a similar value to Mondesi or what he can be. Mondesi is like, four years younger than him at the moment, I think. So it's going to be very interesting to kind of see how that moves forward. But I think right now we all talked about it. There's no reason to make a decision on this yet, unless Monacy wants to give the Royals a hell of a discount. He wants to be a Royal. He loves it being a Royal. He loves the organization apparently. So maybe, maybe he's interested in that, but at this point, 
we don't have to make a decision. Rural should make a decision. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll see Mondesi back. We're going to kind of take a look at the upcoming schedule over the next couple of weeks. I, I will say that we were one of the only ones to kind of talk about this week scheduled over this hot run for the Royals. Uh, so I am excited to do this. Look forward at the next two weeks. Uh, we're basically going to look and kind of preview and look at what our expectations are going to be with the Royals going to be after that first Boston Red Sox series. I think it's a home series there at the end of the month here. Um, basically they have two more against the angels, which uh, Chris Bubich has one out in the first inning, <laughs> 35 pitch right now. It's two to nothing angels. Shohei oh, Otani hit a ball that is absolutely destroyed and they're down by down two nothing in the first. So Chris Bubich also struggling against this uh, hot, hot Angels team, apparently. Yeah, uh, they're the world beaters. They are, uh, they are a frisky group, those Angels. <laughs> um, but they've got two more in Anaheim, including tonight's game. Then they go to Oakland for four games, back home against Detroit for three, and then the Red Sox come to town for three. Uh, Kitty, where are you thinking they're going to be in this run overall? So, uh, yeah, they're 29-29 going into tonight's game two with the Angels. I kind of not a big uh, don't think this road trip's going to turn out as great as I hope. I'm figuring split with the last two with the Angels, possibly one and three against Oakland. Hopefully two and one against Troy, and then maybe one and two against Boston's playing well right now. So I had them at 34 and 36 after this <laughs> two week stretch. So they're just hanging on, trying to just hovering around 500, which I kind of think is the pretty good rest of the season model two for them as far as what i'm what i yeah. see just hovering around 500 just being competitive but not having enough to really just put on a big win streak like they did back in the well that 2014 when they went 19 and yeah. four off the all-star game yeah so i'm just not seeing that level yet but i think but i think they're right around that 500 for most of the season if not all the way through the end sure i have the exact outcome and for the exact same reasons so right there with you very very nice. good stuff there i think that uh that these two weeks largely depend on solaire and dozier dozier went three for four last night with a double maybe maybe breaking out a little bit uh and it only takes one like i tweeted this it only takes one aggressive no doubt dinger from solaire to get me right back on the train um, <laughs> so hopefully he's coming out of it he did follow it up in the seventh inning with an absolute lost plate appearance in three pitches um so <laughs> he, he may have gotten in the one and, and felt really good about it but i think it's going to largely depend on what solaire and dozier do i think that those two if they get right, they can carry an offense. Uh, Solaire sometimes can do it by himself, but Dozier getting right and hitting extra base hits uh, mixed in with Benny, mixed in with Carlos Santana, mixed in with Whit Merrifield can, seems to be breaking out a little bit. So I think this offense is going to need to be uh, back and running and humming on all cylinders a little bit in order for this uh, road trip to go a little bit better than uh, what we're kind of thinking about being five and seven on that on that stretch. But Brian, where are you at? I want to be more optimistic, but I'm kind of right there with you guys a little bit. I, I think somehow in the next 12 games, they're probably right in the same exact spot they are right now. I think they go six and six. I think you hope that you can split that four game series in Oakland. The uh, Red Sox come to town. They're a good team. Detroit, you hope they take care of business like they're supposed to against bad teams. Uh, but being that it's a road trip, 
I think you have to take that into account. So I wanted to be optimistic and say it's going to be a winning 12 games, but I think we'll be right there, 500 still at the end of this two weeks. I uh, I looked a little bit further ahead uh, after the All-Star break. It, it's pretty soft there running up to the All-Star break, and then from the All-Star break to the trade deadline I think is fairly soft. But after that trade deadline, that schedule is brutal for a month. So it, it, they're, if they're going to get their wins, they're going to get into contention, it's going to be over the next six to seven weeks. That's when you're going to have to see it. They're going to have to kick it into gear and get some uh, some momentum to going uh, into the post uh, trade deadline move. I don't I don't expect them to be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline as far as big you know big moves to be made. But um, at the same time, you'd always you know that's usually where you really start to draw a line as to what this season's going to be. So not necessarily going to be indicative about you know what the Royals are going to do, but it is going to be interesting to see where they are when they hit that really really tough stretch. So um, right. let's see how that goes. I, I do love how I. Uh, I sprung the show sheet topic was the next two weeks. And I threw that, um, that future schedule right, <laughs> uh, right, right on top I, of you guys. I mean, and the crazy part is being at 29 and 29, you look at what's happened with the offense and you've had two and a half good bats for the first 58 mm. games. And you've had one and a half good starters. Bullpen <laughs> arms have shown up. So, I mean, to be where they're at and they're just, I feel like, most of the team is performing under expectations as well. That's fair. Yeah. So that feels kind of like a slight disappointment, but also then you're kind of optimistic. Like, well, wait, what if these guys actually yeah. showed up? Some of these guys that we we were counting on, if they had shown up the first 58, 60 games here, we work this world's team could be good seven or eight wins better than they are right now. So yeah. Speaking it's of kind showing of up, surprising. optimistic. Could he show up tonight? He did. <laughs> he may oh, have. I guess guys. he got Just all he got all his anger out. He got all his anger out last night. And <laughs> <laughs> ripping Coar a new one. Uh, oh, he's feeling those those strongly worded text messages to the group chat. <laughs> that, for sure, he'll never see. <laughs> no, he's uh, he is feeling that today. Trust me. Um, well, that's going to close out clearing the waivers here. I, I, I do think that we're going to get a good glimpse of what the Royals season is going to look like over the next, uh, like I said, two to six weeks. Uh, great job. Great point, Josh, over the next, uh, you know, quarter of the season, we're going to get a real good, good feeling about what the Royals are going to be. Um, but I, I do think that through this stretch, it's going to be a do or die situation. They seem to love to play to the level of their opponents. So hopefully they can kind of snap out and start beating the bad teams and uh, uh, doing what they're continuing to do with the, uh, against the good teams. So no, Josh, not- this team is going to accelerate. We're going up. Okay. We're just like what Kitty said. If you look up bye, and down bye, this bye. roster, up and down this <laughs> roster, you look disappointment, disappointment, on par, on par, disappointment, disappointment. Maybe a little bit above where they're supposed to be. Disappointment, disappointment. <laughs> it's like this team is going to start clicking on all cylinders. I know we've heard about it for 60 games now, but mm-hmm. I think they will start clicking on all cylinders. I think mm-hmm. this pitching staff is better than they've shown. I think mm-hmm. this lineup is better than they've shown. And we're still looking at a 29 and 29 record. I mean, yeah. we should be shooting off fireworks because this has been a disappointing <laughs> team and it's still 500. It's still competitive. Yeah. It's right in the place they wanted to be to get Mondesi back. Hopefully get Hunter Dozier going, get Solaire going. You're talking about maybe having Bobby Wood Jr. play a third base for you in the, in the second half of the year. Maybe Lynch starts clicking and becomes a dominant pitcher on this team. I know it's, it's easy to look at that schedule and say those teams are all playoff teams and we're in big trouble. 
maybe they're in big trouble. Maybe we're getting hot at the right <laughs> time. This is a team that endured an 11 game losing streak and is still looking yeah. at a 500 record. Mm-hmm. And this is not a team that had expectations coming in the year. We looked at this team. Vegas win total was what? 71, 72, 73, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're looking 500 right in the eye and saying this team has way more potential than they've shown us. Even if you look at just the players on this roster right now, this team can easily be 85, 86. What we talked about as being super optimistic at the beginning of the year, we sounded like lunatics. And (laughs) when you look at this team right now and you give all these individuals grade cards, they're all not passing, but yet as a team, we're still right there at, at water levels at 500. So I'm excited about the potential of this team still, maybe more so than I was coming into this year. Because we we sounded like crazy people talking about 85 wins. <laughs> Everyone says they're, they're nuts. That was four, 14 games above what Vegas says. And we mm-hmm. usually we usually listen to what Vegas has, has to say usually. But in this instant, I've, I feel like our optimism is maybe paying off a little bit. Warranted. Maybe it was right. Maybe a little underselling is what, what I'm hearing too. That's right. Yeah. I think this yeah. team could take off in the second half, and I'm ready for it. Uh, after that 11-game skid, they were 13-9, and nine, and that included this current third three-game skid. So 11-6 and six, or 13-6 and six coming into uh, after that 11-game skid. So you might be right. Very I am. <laughs> Write that one down. That's a, Let's go. That's a rubber stamp of approval. I, I am. I hope you hammer that over, guys. I dig that. I dig that confidence a lot. That's uh, yes. very good. Um, so that, we're going to close out the clean waivers this week. Get into shenanigans right after this, and we're back. Hope you enjoyed that commercial break. Uh, we've got some waiver watch waiting game coming at you here right now. Waiver watch waiting game. Waiver watch waiting game. A little bit different than the waiver sharks. We haven't done the waiting game in a little bit. Um, basically we've got each one of us has brought to the table, some particular movie or show that has a rotten tomato score. Um, we're usually they're under some kind of theme. Uh, I do have a theme for us this week that I'm very happy about. I, I'm especially mine. I'm, I'm very excited yeah, about right. this. Um, but, uh, we're going to, we each brought one, each one of us is going to take a round at trying to guess the critic score on rotten tomatoes of that movie or TV show. Um, this usually goes pretty smoothlessly. Uh, smoothlessly? Smooth. <laughs> Did I just make up an awesome word? word? Is that a combination of seamlessly and smoothly? It, it really it was <laughs> smoothlessly. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> Couldn't even begin to define that. That's take that dictionary. Moron. Yeah. Suck it. <laughs> Suck it, Mister Webster. Um, well, we've got uh, movies and shows to kind of roll with, and uh, since there's only three of us, usually up to four, I did get a listener submitted uh movie that we're going to actually use to kick us off here but the theme that we're going with is movies or tv shows that we just watched hundreds of times as a kid Uh, i thought this was going to be uh, a fun one just because usually those are just terrible shows that we love shows or movies that uh, we couldn't get enough of as kids that kind of revisit now and are just absolute trash but uh, we'll see how it goes here (laughs) we're going to start off with the 1990 classic home alone Mm. submitted by our buddy zach schwartz uh formerly of the heartland pod but also of the lead singer of the hollow ends this is the og version that's right home alone oh kevin McAllister. all right i'm in try to guess the rotten tomato score of home alone in 
gonna try to what you can't google it josh i'm not i i did google it but i haven't clicked on it yet so we gotta have a gotta have a ruling here okay brian you're the first <laughs> one in what uh what do you got for your guest i think this has to be high i remember it being universally loved and even though there's some kind of cheesy lines in there and corny acting i'm People enjoyed it. It's a Christmas movie. People tend to enjoy Christmas movies. So I'm going to go Michael Irvin, 88. 88. Okay. I don't like it. Like this corny acting, corny (laughs) acting talk. But uh, I don't think I've ever, I've never, and I guarantee I've never seen my grandfather laugh harder than when he was watching this movie. Uh, (laughs) He could not get enough of Kevin McAllister beating those damn wet bandits. He loved it. Good into so, their uh, life, seemingly. Oh, so good. He was. I loved it. So I'm so gonna go smoothly. with eighty. Smoothly, eighty-six <laughs> for me. Okay. <laughs> right there. I, I may have made a mistake right out of the gate. I think I was rushed. I don't like this. <laughs> I think rushed. I went too low. I think I went too low. I was all flustered here. I, I think I went too low. I need to reset. But I did go with a seventy-one percent. I feel like I'm too low on that, but whatever. You are too low. Now. And if the if they agree with you, then they're too low as well. Okay. <laughs> let's see. Uh, let's see. What, can I get a drum roll here? Critics cannot hate Home Alone. Come on. Uh, yeah, because it's not. It's family friendly. Family friendly, so it's not one where they're going to have a the stick up their butt and be an, oh this that's wrong. Right. How dare they? So Good, clean, it should be pretty uh, audience score was an 80%. That's too low. You think? Should be an 88% is what it should be. Should be 88. Well, the critics <laughs> thought it was a 67%. God. Whoa. Because they are soulless. I hate them. Wow. I hate them. That is a surprise. 67. That's barely fresh. Right. That is shocking. Yeah, what are we tough. doing here? That's tough. Uh, so I guess I'm going to lead off the yeah uh, i guess so our round God. um and uh you're so excited for Let's i'm do so it. excited for this back when back when i started getting disney plus i saw this movie in the i was browsing movies i saw it on there i was like oh my god i haven't seen that in legitimately two decades you guys are probably not gonna know what this is brian you might i guarantee you, you've seen this but i did watch it a thousand times the big green Oh yeah, Josh. I don't know if you remember, but we lived in the same house when we were children. So wait, when? <laughs> when you watched a movie a thousand times, I got to watch it nine hundred ninety times. So that's not necessarily the truth. We 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 did a lot of things beside behind not together. The Big Green. The Big Green. It's uh, basically movie? the Mighty yep. Ducks on a soccer field. I yeah, thought you uh, might go Mighty Ducks in this. Yeah. Was the kid from the Sandlot in this one? So it had, it had two kids from the Sandlot. It had Squints and uh, the catcher. I can't remember his name, but uh, Freckles. Yeah, had Freckles. Him, Steve Gutenberg in there. Buckwheat right. from Little Little Rascals in there. Tackled a lot of lot of uh, topics, including like immigration, racism, goats. Oh boy, was also thrown in there. So uh, very very good movie. I had to watch it today just to uh just to kind of scratch that itch <laughs> it's it very bad it's really bad um not good yeah at all, but uh, i'm in okay. i'm already in i've kind of assumed as much <laughs> <laughs> brian are you in what i mean was this one just to, do you remember? oh did you write that down? Uh, I believe did you write that down 95 okay yeah, no, that does that take makes, it take it that in. makes perfect sense yep 
right for in that me hill. boy does it look 1995 i will say <laughs> very much 1995 uh i believe kitty was in second place kitty what do you have for the big green so i just assumed it was bad okay uh 95 so it was way too late for me to uh have watched this as a children's movie so but i just guessed good old 28 mm-hmm. my god curtis martin yeah that's, right. what I was, that's what i was thinking that's what i was thinking curtis martin how low did you go jesus i mean i should have taken the home alone grade in the factory here got i mean it was a, a stupid kids movie that's how mm-hmm. I mean, it accomplished what you're going for. Like you said, teaching life lessons here. Let's say just fresh at 63. And it'll 63? be... 63? It'll be like 32. Well, the audience score, the people that should appreciate the most, gave it a 46%. Oh, my God. That was <laughs> 25,000 plus ratings. So Can we start over? Pretty wow. good sample size. Um, the critics... Granted, there's only five reviews. No, this is not ah. cool. This shouldn't <laughs> count at all. Roger Ebert, Roger Ebert is one of them. Who cares? It was five? Zero, zero percent. Zero. <laughs> you can't bring a movie that has five critic reviews. It has a Rotten Tomatoes score, so it is very much in bounds. This is bullshit. This is under protest. <laughs> 63, huh? You must have really enjoyed the big green, Brian. Apparently, all those times he hasn't watched it while you're watching, he really Incre- got a kick out of it. Incredible. I mean, every movie like that is trash, but I mean, people watch it, it sells a lot of copies. People, I mean, what do you want? When has that ever affected a critic score? Never, not ever. And what's the point of them giving a review if there's only five of you that's going to give a review in 30 years? Because they're top reviewers, Brian. Oh, God. <laughs> When, when Roger, when Roger, I was really Ebert, hoping, I was really hoping for twenty percent on that one after <laughs> five reviews. Well, since Brian was sixty-three percent, it might as well have been twenty because you uh, you gained that much ground on him there. Good, Kitty, God. you are currently in second place here. What's your uh, movie or TV show that you watched as a kid? Was it like Chips? I have to go, obviously, <laughs> at least ten years back from your movie because that's when I was a kid. Love uh-huh. Boat, <laughs> Love Boat. I went Wings. <laughs> A classic. Are you ripping on Wings? Isn't that old? Gilligan's Island. <laughs> yeah, Mash. there you go. Wings. We watched that Wings game. reruns at the babysitter. <laughs> the good babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> Give her a raise. Yep. Uh, I went with 1985 classic Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh, okay. <laughs> Paul Rubens before he got caught in the adult theater. Well, we don't. I mean, he had a making career some, post that, so we're fine. Make, making a, making great movies back in the uh, back in the eighties. God, I'm very curious how many people reviewed this one. I didn't even check. Did uh, he make it? There was a new Pee-wee. big top. Big top Pee Wee was the second movie. I think they made a recent. They made a yeah. they made something recently. I did not watch that recently. How did he get uncanceled? By the way, <laughs> it was far. It was far enough back in his past that he could. He got grandfathered he in. Yeah, he's okay. That's a statute of limitations. <laughs> I mean, what else are you supposed to do in an adult theater? That's kind of like I, I thought. That's I always thought that would be the expectation in one of those movie theaters. I don't know. Hmm. I'm in. Okay. Uh, I'm in. Love this movie, Francis. That evil neighbor. What a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think Josh, when says uh, 
initial yep. guest was so good, he gets to go first. If I'm not mistaken, this was a Tim Tim Burton film, correct? Yes. Okay. So is he has never never made a low rated movie in all. I, I I don't I don't get his stuff, but people do, and they seem to love it. So I went seventy six percent. Holy shoot! Wow. Right. Seventy six. Yep. I thought we were gonna maybe be in the running for back to back zeros. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, All right. I think BK is going to go a little bit different than Josh's answer then. Yeah. I I mean, I didn't know that fun fact from Tim Burton. Uh, he didn't, I don't, him and him and Pee Wee don't add up to me, but whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, this feels like Pee- any Pee Wee movie is going to be something critics just fart all over and sniff it up and <laughs> are, are super happy about it. Mm. I went with uh, Troy Aikman 8. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. An <laughs> Brian no. is trying to shoot the moon and I got a swing for the fences now. Go big. The, yeah, the gotta... big green really got him shook. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> All right, so Pee Wee's Big Adventure audience score seventy nine. Almost got that one, Josh. Yeah. And you also weren't that far away from the critics with an eighty seven. Oh, for Pee Wee's Big Adventure. BK, that might be the biggest miss of all time. I know. I had an eight in there. So that's two and a half point deduction. Started with an S, though. <laughs> two and a half point deduction. 79. Yeah, that's what we'll start doing from now on. If you get single digits, one of the numbers. Uh-huh. And one of the numbers is right. You can you shoot for the moon and you get one number right. Yeah. You, you get, get to you get to add two and a half points. I two and a half got, points. I think I've got an all time high score. Oh, my somewhere. God. Let's just eight. move right on past that and go right <laughs> into my movie. Yep. <laughs> When Kitty said 1985, I thought for sure he was going to repeat mine. It's got to be Masters of the Universe. 1985. I didn't realize it was this far ago. Goonies. Oh, yeah, yeah. 19, I mean, it had a, a lot of staying power, I felt like. People were still yeah. watching mm-hmm. that for the next 10 years because, I mean, it's every kid's dream to go hunting for pirate's gold and go on all these adventures, and you got mobsters chasing you. Sean Astin, young Josh Brolin. I mean – it's, yeah, it it's very weird to watch that movie nowadays, knowing what you've seen Josh Brolin do through the years. So, yeah, Thanos coming for that ass. Sure, whatever you say. <laughs> it's an Avengers reference. No big deal. Oh, not sure okay. who that. Not sure. Not sure who that is. Yeah. You know damn well who Thanos is. <laughs> I prefer not to know. I'm trying. I'm trying to forget who it is. <laughs> you've been every day. You've been, you've been trying to forget. Josh working on a record score here. Uh, I'm in. I am also in. What you got Goonies at? I got a, I mean, it's classic. Steven Spielberg, I believe Christopher Columbus as well. You sure wasn't Tim Burton? It wasn't Tim Burton. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it was Spielberg and maybe Columbus. But uh, yeah, withstood withstood the the test of time. Classic for everyone except my wife. What? (laughs) You, you, You watched it together and she said she did not like it. Oh my god! Uh, I went with a uh, Ter- Terrell Owens, eighty-one percent. Okay. Well, that's Kitty. a bad number for me. It's a bad number for me to hear because what Josh has lead on me so far, I believe I don't <laughs> think I can do it with my with my pick. But this, yeah, this is a great movie. I mean, you got well, the uh, win. the brother that they locked in the uh, they locked away because he was 
little uh just not like them enough how they're just they just hated a guy for being a little bit different i mean that's Rocky right there. That's, Road, that's like baby ruth talk about that movie this movie should age perfectly well into this time since he's the, the hero of the movie spoiler mm-hmm. alert for all you guys that haven't seen goonies but <laughs> i went with 79 all right Ooh, yeah that's gonna be tough yep you're both all around it 80 percent. critics come yeah. in at josh's <laughs> previous guess 76 mm. Damn. audience score 91 mm-hmm. which yeah. audience score a little lower than i thought that'd be i thought everyone except your wife loved goodies <laughs> so apparently there weren't a yeah she's she she might be maybe she's got the uh a fan club going for uh anti-goonies, <laughs> anti-goonies. That she's got she's got a few people that she can hook up with there yep josh That's, finishes uh, with a 20 yeah four guesses score. and he's off 20 one of my best, That's a good best score. rounds well three guesses but still irregardlessly it was very smoothlessly tonight for me in the waiting game well done we did it yeah you really uh dominated this congratulations well, I'm, glad I, I'm glad i came up with this game and this yeah uh, this <laughs> i mean for, for the tonight. for the amount of work you put into the other game where brian and i inevitably only get one guess right <laughs> it serves you right to be able to win this one on us i've got yeah. some i got some uh, good karma coming to me then. Uh-huh. exactly yeah I, uh, I appreciate that. Well, that's going to uh, lead us right into the Keep Trade Cut for the week uh, that we've got here. But first, we've got to hit that theme song. Fellas, this week, I returned to live sporting events. I caught the nice. uh, Friday night Royals game that turned into an absolute uh, uh, shellacking of uh of the royals opponents we we came in about a little bit late it was a 3-0 lead while we got in our seats and they scored nine runs in that first inning so it was a good good game for the rest of the night but inevitably i did get a little bit of the uh inspiration bug bit me a little bit that night and basically i want to keep trade cut the three aspects that go to a game and one's a little bit of a fantasy thing here um, but you can either choose between no more lines of the concession stand or the bathrooms or ticketing or whatever. No more lines, period. Or your food and drink is half priced at all times. Uh, or any game that you are in attendance for, your team has spotted one run, one touchdown, one goal, whatever you, know, whatever you would like. Uh, but your team is spotted and favored uh, that much more when you are in attendance. So we're going to keep trade cut those three things this evening. I'm going to lead off because I did have that stellar and MVP performance <laughs> in the waiting game. Um, I'm going to go ahead and first cut the food and drink is half price option. Um, I don't obviously don't love that they have the high prices there, but when you go to a game, you kind of accept them. You kind of anticipate them. You tailgate beforehand so you can mitigate any of those costs and cut them as much as you can. So I'm going to cut the food and drink is half priced here. I'm going to trade for your team getting spotted one run, one touchdown here, because I think it would be awesome at first. It's going to give a lot of trade value, but it's going to become a curse because you are directly affecting the outcome of the game. And if that becomes known, then you will be expected to be at every one of those events moving forward. And that will be, there's going to be times where you just can't, or you just don't want to. Those days are going to happen. The team's going to lose. It's going to be your fault. Now you're getting death threats. 
So it seems there's going to be a curse at that point. So I'm going to go ahead and trade that. And I'm going to trade that for my own personal rocker recliner in any game I do go to. <laughs> used to they used to have those fan of the game <laughs> seated upgrades there at Coffin that had those recliners or the were they recliners? Just really comfy ass chairs. I don't know if they're still there. Do you know if they're still there on the first base side? I don't think they're uh, recliners. They're I don't think they're recliners. They're super comfy. <laughs> they're big no. comfy chairs. They had those chairs at some of the college football teams. I think KU has them basically at one of the other end zones. They have all those big ass chairs. They look very comfortable to watch a game in, like you're in your they living gotta, room, basically. They got to get the fans in the stands any way they can at that point. Their whole stadium will be recliners at that point just to get their, get I mean, their fans in the game. They've got plenty of room. Yep. Oh, burn KU football. <laughs> well, I would like to get a rock recliner <laughs> for my game. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I know they have the the seats right behind home plate and up in the suites. I'm not a Schlansky suite guy, even though they are pretty sweet. But just give me a rocker recliner. That's all I'm asking. Give me my own personal rocker recliner. I don't want to share it with anybody because it's just full of farts and stuff that I don't know. I don't know the source of their farts. <laughs> but I want my own personal rocker recliner in Coffee Studio. I feel like that's a, that's a pretty simple request. So they have. Is this a a seat where? that recliner gets changed in and out between games in case you're not showing up the next game. No, they, have they just to bring back out or they cannot just, allow anybody else to sit in them period. It's under, it's under plastic, plastic cover, like yes. uh, old grandparents furniture when you're yes. not there. Yep. 100%. <laughs> yep. I like it. I'm in. And uh, that leaves me, I'm going to keep the no more lines. Friday night was a buck night. I legitimately stood in line for, ice cream i think for an hour which is a solid <laughs> inning of any normal game if it wasn't if it wasn't a 25 run game then it's uh that's a that's a whole hour of game time that i'm not getting back that's not coming back to me so i want no lines period restroom bars drinks whatever uh ticket entry is a big deal uh, a parking lot entry no lines just i want free entry regardless no uh just stop wasting my time type of thing fair enough kitty what's your key trade cut yeah, I'm keeping the same thing. I thought, I mean, like you said, the one run spotting is nice too, but I had, I'm with no more lines. I, yeah, because waiting in line for either the bathroom or a food line, this half an inning to an inning of baseball, just frustrating. And I came out to watch the game and now I'm stuck in these lines for this long. It's just, just takes a little bit out, away from the experience. Yep. So I'm with you. No more lines. I go to my seat, go from my seat to the bathroom, come back real quick. Go get some beer. Come back. It'd be great. Really like that. Mm-hmm. Food and drink half price. I'm going to cut you as well. I know what I'm getting into with the world's at the games for the food and drink price. So it's not the worst for me. I'm not also not going there with a family of four. So my food uh, <laughs> expenditure is not as much as some people's. So that's not as big of an issue for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to trade the one run spotting. I think a lot of people were going to, would, jump on that one as well and i'm going to trade that for nothing is ever blocking my field of vision <laughs> yeah there's solid. no tall person in front of me two rows up that somehow seven foot six guy came to the game today and now he's <laughs> towering way above the seats and i have to lean every every half half inning to see the pitches or someone decides to it's lightly sprinkling so they pop open an umbrella umbrella no no umbrellas allowed at a baseball game Bring a poncho. That's your only option. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm still pissed anytime umbrellas are allowed at a game. It's mm-hmm. just, 
absolutely ridiculousness. Or a sign. So. God forbid someone has a sign. <laughs> as long as if you bring a sign and don't hold it up while game action is happening. Yeah. I'm in a, between innings. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Between innings and that, that that's your sign. In between time. batters, maybe. Maybe yeah, a little bit of that. That's fine. So, but I just I just want to have a clean look at the action all game. I think that's fair. Should be too much. Usually it's a kid with a sign, so they don't know any better, but you feel like a dick for suggesting not to do that. Down in the well, front. What you do is you go up about 12 rows and then you yell and then you walk <laughs> around a little bit and come back on your seat. You're those guys yelling back there? <laughs> Can't believe how rude those guys back there were. The nerve of those guys. <laughs> oh my, couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian, keep straight up for the week. I guess, guys, I am the only true team player. I, I like oh, to be a team player here. <laughs> no. I, I have, to, I feel obligated to keep. I'm worth spotting my team a run or a touchdown or whatever, because I, I want my team to win. And I guess you guys don't care about that. You just mm-hmm. would rather trade that luxury away to somebody else, possibly an opponent. So I'm mm-hmm. going to keep it because I'm all about the team, 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 team. Oh, and. If the team ever gets a wind of I'm worth a run every game, what is that worth to the team? At what? least free entry. Yeah. What are they, they like, I think they make your life a luxury, Josh, and you're not dreading going out there to any games. I would look at it as they're getting me out of any commitment I would ever have to make other than go to watch my team play. I have a commitment to the team. I'm a part of I, this team. I feel like it's more of a Superman thing where you have to keep it a secret for everybody for some reason. Brian 100% develops a Superman complex with that with that superpower. 100%. In my mind, I'm like I become like popular like that that KC guy that would hold up the stupid uh-huh. sign after wins. Yep. I would I would let people know that we won because of me, not because of you guys that are making millions of dollars. It's because of sure. me. I came to this game again. You got the win by one run because thanks to old number one right here. Yeah. But that's because I'm a team player. <laughs> what, what, would, what jersey number would you request of the team at that point? I would request no jersey number, Josh, because I have – I mean, I, I don't belong on the field. I, I'm just here for the team. Team, team, team. All, all of them. Interesting. Okay. No number. I, I appreciate that you don't feel like you would have an ego after that. No, no way. I would just be demanding the ownership gives me millions of dollars. Right. Gives me private <laughs> hel- I need a private helicopter to pick me up and take me to every game. So uh-huh. I don't have to worry about those lines like you're talking uh-huh. about, Josh. Yep. I, uh, I'm very much looking forward to like the, uh, the birth of your child being uh, compromised because you have obligations to the team and to the city. Team, 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 Josh. Team, team, team. It's I just... already have one child. The rest of them don't really matter, right? <laughs> <laughs> we see it all the time. These athletes, they always miss. They'll miss a game for their first child. The second child, it's like, eh, I got, I got one already. I mean, I'll, I I'll be there. Got a two-game hit streak intact. I might, as, I got to keep it going here. We got an off day in a couple of days. I'll be there. True, but <laughs> yeah. I, I got an obligation to this team because I'm team, team, team guy. I like it. Okay. And go. so I'm going to cut no more lines. I, it's not really a big problem for me. I, I don't feel like the bathroom sometimes can be a problem, but there are so many places at the, at the park where you can buy a beer. They've got those nice little convenience stores now where you're like self-checkout. Did those have, actually have beers in them? Oh, yeah. Those. Nice. Oh, yeah. They got coolers. You go in there, grab a beer, set it on the thing, like a convenience store, check yourself out. You're good to go. 
Man. So there are way more options now to get a beer where I, if I'm standing in a line with more than two people, I've made a bad choice because there are way better <laughs> options to buy a beer. Do there. they have ice cream there? Because that's where my long wait. Came. That's the problem. Yeah. And you try Belmonte, to get into specialty. You try to clean get into specialty up, stuff. Yep. And so I'm trading the half price food and drink. Cause like you said, that's going to come with it. And I'm going to trade that to help me with the lines that I have a problem with. I'm bringing back the piss troughs in the men's bathrooms. <laughs> <laughs> that was a horrible, like we, we try to progress as we grow as a society. I feel like we went backwards when we got rid of the troughs in both Arrowhead and Kaufman. I mean, mm-hmm. it, 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 it took you from a boy to a man to stand shoulder to shoulder with a man. And you were trying to not use a peripheral vision, but you had no choice. You had a row full of men side to side peeing in the tr- same trough. And there was hardly ever a line because mm-hmm. it's way more efficient than these individual urinals. It, it's maddening that you stand in line about to pee your pants. And there's, there's a full two feet in between urinals. You're like, <laughs> that's, that's I could person. be peeing right there. It's a new, <laughs> new level of social distancing. Bing, bring back the troughs. That's what I'm trading for. It's where boys become oh, men God, and I men become it. boys because that's they, right. Because uh, drunk and you're sliding in it. Slip sliding. Some of those, the, the biggest, the trough is the uh, the shy pissers are not going to be happy with your decision. Right. Uh-huh. They well, have they, to wait for I mean, the they uh, still stalls. Got the stalls. They still yeah, got yeah. stalls. If you want to yeah, act like true. you got to go too, that's uh, it's equal opportunity there. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's going to do it for the Clean Winners podcast yeah. this week. Stop talking, Kitty. I'm closing it out. We're done. <laughs> closing it out. <laughs> we've, we've we've talked enough here. These kids, uh, these folks Piss need, trough. To, need to go. That that home run by Otani went 470 feet, by the way. Sure it did. That's, a long That's pretty far. Stassi just hit another dong, so it's for nothing. Not mad. Not mad at it. But uh, uh, we do want to thank everybody for listening and joining us this week. Go check out uh, the rest of the Royals review work. They're doing great work covering the royals go check out the royals farm report uh they also have a podcast you can enjoy to kind of get up to date on all the farm system all the prospects and uh youngsters that we can put a lot of a lot of pressure on in their uh in their upcoming debuts uh we look forward to that but shout out to them um but uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break we've got some summer vacations kind of run through here in the next couple weeks so uh we'll probably take a couple weeks off probably back on june what is it 29 nope 22nd something like that good job preparing josh yep it really got that fun date two weeks basically you're gonna be without us go check out previous episodes of the podcast um maybe on the other side we might have the return that we teased uh, a couple weeks ago we might have that return which uh, you can kind of look forward to maybe um, but go check out some of the previous episodes that one year anniversary uh, was a lot of fun to put together i'd highly recommend going and checking that out as well but we did have some great interviews over the last uh year and a half uh, go check those out and see how wrong all of us on that podcast were um, a lot of fun <laughs> to do those but uh, uh, some of those are time sensitive some of them are not but whatever it, it's been a lot of fun doing this since uh, since we started it but uh, uh, go follow us on the clearing waivers at the social medias and all the all the 
platforms that you might have go subscribe to the youtube channel so you're up to date on all the new episodes and you can see our smiling faces as we do these uh these episodes but go subscribe to both us on anywhere you get your podcast royals review radio has all your great coverage for the royals podcast between us and the royals farm report uh so go subscribe to that channel and uh, you can get our uh, episodes as soon as they drop but um other than that i think that's all we got we hope you have a great uh great couple weeks here we'll see you on the other side ta-ta for now